The following is a special video presentation of Higher Journeys Radio. When you begin to contemplate all of the chaos, crisis, angst, and fear that seems to be permeating our planet now more than ever, did it ever occur to you that a non-human force may be influencing such things? And if this is the case, who are they? And why are they so intent on keeping the negative force as a central focus? In this, my second on-location interview from Los Angeles while at the 14th Annual Conscious Life Expo, I had the chance to chat once again with two people who know the subject quite well. And that's paranormal investigator and author Rosemary Ellen Guiley, as well as film producer and talk show host Sean Stone. Both had to share a lot about these state of affairs, and it was certainly a bit disturbing. However, we all agree that it's necessary to understand this dark influence on our world in order to finally move beyond its grip. Desaad, in some ways, predicted the French Revolution, right? He was the he, he insisted upon the excess and decadence of the of bourgeois culture, and, and actually it was really more aristocratic culture of that 18th century, and he ended up in madhouses, and they made a film called uh, Quills about him, but he he wrote books about incest, and mm-hmm. his most famous one was about 360 days of Saddam, I believe, and it's basically um, this way of these men trap these young young children, you know, mm-hmm. teenagers, but even as young as, I think, like 10, 12. I'm sure. And now. they basically, they degrade them, and the whole point is how what is the what is limited degradation of the human being? Mm-hmm. And when you have this ability to do anything you want with people, that's his conception. That was Pasolini reflecting on this in, in fascist Italy, saying these men are basically it's like they can't have enough from just uh, raping the children or killing the children. It's like how low ultimately how what's the next level of control of power? Yeah. How does it ever end? And that's the mentality you think about when you think about these elites in the, the Illuminati culture, where they say they want to mind control and, and, ped- and be, have ped- pedophilic, pedophilic relations with, with young children and try to basically s- steal the soul and break the soul of them, but mm-hmm. and what, when does it end? When is it enough? When, is, when, you, when have you completely asserted your control of this person? Okay. We have been chatting it up, folks. <laughs> In case you don't know, we're here with Sean Stone and Rosemary Lindali. I'm Alexis Brooks. This is Higher Journeys TV today. Listen, I hope you had a chance to check out uh, the interview that we did. I don't know, this was last year sometime, maybe midway through the year. We had an extraordinary discussion about shadow people and the jinn. And there were some very interesting elements, I thought, that uh, came uh, unexpectedly in this interview. But I thought it would be fun to kind of go over a little bit. Uh, we don't have too long to talk, but I wanted to just maybe do a little follow-on. This is going to be a free flow. We're just going to talk about, um, maybe continue the discussion about the shadow person phenomena and the gin and its connectivity. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the technology of mirrors. Rosemary's going to talk about that. So thanks for coming, guys. Good to see you again. Absolutely. Wasn't that a great discussion? A little opening. A little opening. Huh? A little opening segue. A little segue. <laughs> Eating your own defecation. No, 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 no. We don't the, want to talk about that. The Ouroboros, right? <laughs> Eating its own tail. Yeah. What do you have to say about that? About the Ouroboros? <laughs> or you think eating their own shit? Well, let's, let's, let's take that segue. Let's take, edit. Let's take that segue. Um, 
there is a correlation with what we're talking about, is there not? Um, what are we talking about here when we're talking about this elusive um, being that we call, aptly called the shadow being, the shadow person, the jinn perhaps, are they one and the same? And what it is they're looking for from humans? Could they be uh, getting some sort of sustenance from this behavior between each other? that we were just talking about. I believe that very firmly, and I'm convinced that shadow people are a form taken by jinn. And uh, when they manifest in a lot of their encounters with human beings, it's to terrify people. And when they terrify people, that creates this adrenaline rush that's very instinctive. It throws off a tremendous amount of life force energy, and that's what they like. That's what they eat. They literally vampirize our life force off of us. And it leaves us drained, and then they're benefited from that. Uh, but uh, some of them also uh, have sexual interests in people. Some of them are mischievous. They're tricksters. They just like to pester. Uh, they, uh, the hostile ones run the gamut from tricksters to terrorists uh, with varying tactics for dealing with people. And um, a lot of it is aimed at uh, taking the life force from us. Hmm. That's interesting. And so what we were talking about off camera, so kind of, is... Uh, Take, really kind of taking the life force, two humans taking the life force from each other, or one taking the life force or using that from another, could they be feeding off of that interaction between two humans is, is really where I'm going with that. Well, they, they certainly could, and uh, they are agents of chaos, and uh, they're instigators of trouble, and they are attracted to situations where human beings are in turmoil. So. Uh, if people are depressed, if they're emotionally upset, if they're um, in conflict, especially in conflict, mm -hmm. then that's energy also. That's a situation for them that's very opportunistic, mm -hmm. and they can come in and benefit from that. And um, there's uh, long-time feelings that the jinn have been involved in a lot of our wars and conflicts, shedding of blood, another way to get the life force. And um, I've often thought of them in terms of um, the arms merchants. You know, they. Uh, contribute to both sides of the conflict. Yeah. They really don't care who wins as long as there's conflict and that's what they benefit from. I'm looking at you, Sean, because we, we just had a, a very interesting discussion downstairs with a very enthusiastic crowd and we touched on some similar concepts. So how would you weigh in on that? Which part of it? Well, in terms of con keeping, keeping the masses in conflict as, again, a sort of not only a deterrent from realizing who we are, but perhaps to feed this force. Yeah. It, <clears throat> look, we can get to the level of metaphor, metaphysically, which is perhaps metaphor, but mm. metaphysically perhaps that is what is being fed by this entire circulation of energy, which we call currency, which we call money, dollars, you know, various forms of monetary exchange. And in any conflict, what do you need for conflict? You need arms, you need, you know, you need uh, food, you need provided things, you need protection. So war, as a state of organization, really works towards the benefit of those who, in a fascist sense, are in alliance with the government. Mm -hmm. right? So the government basically contracts to the various bodies that are, uh, whether they're uh, military, industrial, part of the military industrial complex in the sense of Boeing, right, or um, any of these larger uh, manufacturers of heavy machinery, mm -hmm. or down to the level of uh, KBRs, 
who are servicing food contracts and whatnot to feed their infantry. And no matter what, how you phrase it, war puts people in a position of dependence, right, upon the financiers. It is the easiest way to put people into a situation of debt, is for the notion that you have to fight because your very existence depends upon it, right? So they've used that excuse to put us into deeper and deeper debt, which is how, in a sense, the parasite drains us because we're no longer creating, we're no longer, it's even, if you think about it, most of the debt is predicated on what you already have, the assets that you claim to own, mm -hmm. and it's not really future-oriented, like a credit system could be. A credit system basically believes that every human being has a creative potential and a capacity to, to do things and to make things in the future, but if the debt system is all predicated on what you already own, so unless you have a property that you can use as collateral, or your own car, or right. some stock, or whatnot, you can't, you, you can't, uh, really can't break free of this debt trap that they put you into, mm -hmm. right? So really, it's it's a feeding system, and I think that that is one way of looking at it, and you can take it from the physical realm into the metaphysical, metaphysical. spiritual realm, and start to understand that perhaps those who are fleecing us are possessed by these beings, or themselves um, overridden by something spiritually that drives them, and it's not based from the heart, it's based from mental calculation of ownership and power. Very well said. And predatory beings are very good at latching on to people and magnifying their tendencies toward violence, vice, corruption, and greed. And that's another way of keeping conflict going. Yeah. I think they've done that. I think they've been masters of that, unfortunately. One thing that I love about your talk, Sean, is that you, you did provide um, a good framework for how we can dismantle that. In fact, I want to make mention of a comment that you made to a woman. I'm not going to go into it totally, but the woman said something like, what do we need? Can you please tell us what we can do to take action? You remember when she said that and we kind of hit her back and I'm, I'm saying to myself, it's, the, the goal is not to ask someone else. Now we've got to figure out how to do this for ourselves and you can the nail on the head. I think all of these things are related, by the way, because it's that kind of an attitude that keeps people in a state of desperation and primed for conflict until we have an inner epiphany that the action steps have to be our own and coming from here. Uh, they're going to continue what we're talking about, these elusive beings that we still aren't quite sure what they are, are going to continue to wreak havoc. So, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an internal revolution, really, mm -hmm. that you have to come to a place right thought, right word, right action, but it's your own path that you have to follow. And you have to have, I find, I mean, I came to my place of faith in a higher power in the whole journey into this realm where I spent probably three years in the paranormal realm, exploring it, getting the weird phone calls, getting the, yeah. you know, having the, the interactions with something that was super, that seemed supernatural. And you just learn that when you have you put your faith in a higher place, then your immediate ego and your immediate uh, sense of survival and self-preservation, that that higher power is 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 going to guide you through it. Absolutely. And, it can, and basically, the light can always obliterate the darkness, but you have to recognize it, own it, and let that into your heart. And so, I think that's the personal journey that I went through, and I think everyone is able to go through it in their own way, if they don't 
fight these things because when you start fighting them, you engage it, you realize it's your own shadows that you're fighting. Mm -hmm. And the more you fight, you see you get caught up in these, these systems of, of uh, it's almost, there's an emotional level of the lower chakras, basically beneath, you know, it's not really, it's not to say it's not that your sex drive is bad or your hunger or your stomach is bad, but it's more in the realm of ego, pride, suffering, pain, mm -hmm. jealousy, you name it. Those are the, the, a lot of the emotions and fear that people live in. And so these entities, when they engage you, they want you to be in a fearful place, just like in a war state, right? It's not much different. If you're going into a haunted place, you're afraid. If you go into conflict with an opponent, it's a fearful place. Mm -hmm. So as a result, we attack, we strike, we want to fight. Mm -hmm. And in the process, we're only struggling internally with ourselves. We're not actually liberating ourselves from this place of us overcoming an enemy. We're not going to win a war. You don't win a war. You can, you can murder people, but, you, but you've created so much more pain and suffering and so many more victims of parasitism in the process, you see, Absolutely. because that's, that's the level that these beings live on. They resonate on that vibrational level, the lower emotional levels. I'm going all over the place. Yeah. I don't know if we have enough time. This may have to be a part two. But <clears throat> well, I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to go back to something that you said. You've made mention of this, referred to this before, this period of time that you went through that was sort of a litmus test, I mean, perhaps a spiritual litmus test, where you were getting strange phone calls and sort of paranormal phenomena was creeping into your world. What do you think was the trigger for that? Was there one? Was there some... It was my initiation. I it was your initiation. Okay. Yeah, I just, I think I opened the door to it. Ah, okay. I opened the door. I, I, I sought it out. I had to go through my initiation. And uh, these things are watching. And basically, when you open the door wow. to that realm, they can make themselves more known. Now, maybe it's a bloodline thing. Maybe some people in the bloodlines have get a, get 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 more um, uh, parental activity even when they're younger. I've heard a lot of stories of people whose grandparents are masons, and they were basically born into these situations when they get targeted. That's also possible. In my case, I just think that I literally sought it out, okay. and they I never knew responded. that. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you. Well, the other, I guess, the other point I was going to make, based on the last point that you made in terms of conflict, these entities sort of hovering and being in the area. I want to also segue to eventually. What happened to us on that call? You do recall, right? The, the, just the anomaly. It was inter interrupted. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, I'd like to have you comment on that. Well, let's talk about the time period we're in now, and what I am, uh, Rosemary. You've done extraordinary research in this quote shadow being or shadow person phenomenon, and the rise in cases. And you and I have talked about is it that we're seeing more cases of people having encounters with them, or are people talking about them more? I think it may be both, but I happen to think that there may be an increase. Do you think this time period that we're in right now and all that's going on, this confluence of conflict, may be triggering more experiences of shadow person encounters, including what happened to us on that radio program? Well, they do like to interfere with people. And anytime you start researching about the jinn, looking into them, talking about them, it attracts their attention. Uh, and they're going to play with electronics, your ability to convey information, uh, your ability to carry on research, and that happens time and time again. So uh, I was not surprised when it happened. I've had so many radio shows interrupted, canceled, yeah. uh, interference that comes on the line, uh, studio equipment that suddenly falls apart, 
any number of things, and when the when the topic is about them, uh, and um, the actual incidence of cases, it's very hard to pin down definitively because we have more people, which means more experiences, and we also have more people coming forward about their experiences because they're being talked about in the media yes. and in public forums. So it's a self-reporting thing. However, I do believe that the actual number of cases is on the rise. And that is a function of what I call transreality earth. And uh, that's been um, a, an area of research for me for a good number of years now. Uh, this expansion of consciousness that is taking us into uh, a different kind of reality where physical reality as we know it now is shifting. We are in trans-reality now. And it, it is involving more encounters with uh, beings of all kinds. Mm. It is involving more experiences of paranormal phenomena. Um, more uh, psi experiences, uh, expanded consciousness, both on the downside and on the upside. So we're in this period of chaos now where things are in change. Anytime you have transition from an old order to a new order, there's chaos in the middle mm -hmm. and uh, mm. uh, of all kinds. So we're seeing it on all fronts. And uh, I believe that the uh, reality that we're stepping into, which science sort of addresses, but hasn't adequately addressed to incorporate the paraphysical and the physical, that um, the speed, the momentum is picking up to almost an exponential rate of change. Mm -hmm. And uh, our consciousness is enabling more of these experiences to take place. Uh, it is enabling more beings to have more interactions with us, good, bad, the ugly. Uh, and um, we are experiencing um, collective thought forms that have the power to shift physical reality. That is a force that can be manipulated on a daily basis by, uh, if you want to call it conspiracy, government, politics, um, corporations, um, global media, social media now creates instant thought form. And mm. uh, it is. Um, it's on an emotional level that people have played. Mm -hmm. uh, stories can be artfully disseminated over global media that will sway people's emotions. And when you have people's emotions engaged, you have an openness and a vulnerability that starts taking place. Mm -hmm. So we need to be very aware of how we are spending our power and our energy uh, on global thought form level because this has the power to shift things in any direction. In any direction. Any right. direction. We can go down or we can go up. Where are we going now at the moment? Well, what do you think are the, we're being pulled in both directions. That's why that was kind of a leading question because I think you're right. I think that's what's happening. I think you know the whole atmosphere is confused because you've got a, a lot of both. I call it the dichotomy uh, of, of consciousness, literally, that we're going through right now. So it's very interesting. Yeah, thoughts. Yeah, you look pensive. Me. <laughs> You look like you want to say something in that regard. Follow on to, to what Ron would say? I guess we'll see. Yeah, this is a battleground. I mean, people do talk about the fact that, look, 2012 was a little bit uh, of a downer, in a sense, that a lot of people who were, away, who were preparing for the awakening and who were, had been sort of activated for the previous years were hoping that this end of the world really would end that previous world we'd been in. That, excess of materialism and um, corporate control and media censorship, I mean, you name it, it's, it, it was ugly, especially post-2001. Uh, yeah. It didn't shift dramatically, and actually there's been a lot of struggle in the last few years. I think people have really um, had to fight 
just to get through this morass. Absolutely. Of maybe, but maybe that is, maybe that is the last, the death knell on the dark side. For for now, I mean, it, will the dark side ever be gone? Will the religions ever relinquish their hold over us? I don't know. I don't know. But I do think that people talk about this spring and this time period as as a new opening, a new dawn, that could be positive, and that's maybe why we're seeing the confusion and the uh, pushing towards war and chaos from the elite, but maybe they won't have the power to, to achieve that. Mm -hmm. I think that's well said. Yeah, a lot of people, I think people tend to want to pin a date certain on things. That's sort of a human condition. 2012, and then people even back to 2011, you know, I think October of 2011, there was supposed to be some sort of precipice and shift in 2012 came and went, and now people are talking about um, 2016 sort of being another major, you know, final chapter, and then this pivotal moment in 2017. Is that what you were somewhat alluding to? If, if, if the force did awaken. Do you think? What are you, what a, are you feeling? There's, what a reason are you they, there's, a, there's a reason they, they released that film now. I think it's indicative. The force is awakening. Ah. Will we take it? Will we seize it? Or will we let it pass us by? What are you feeling on an absolutely instinctual level? Let's put the research hats down. And I know that you're both, you know, as researchers, I think what's inclusive of good research is observance and awareness and the feeling part of the whole thing. But what are you feeling right now and have been for a little while? I'm feeling very uncertain about which way things are going to swing. And, and I think we're, we're being um, uh, increasingly interfered with by the dark side. More so. Um, more so. Um, because, um, frankly, a lot of people are still asleep at the wheel. We've mm -hmm. been either beaten down economically, uh, we feel disempowered politically, um, and we're addicted to technology in sometimes very unhealthy ways. Mm -hmm. Technology is a great thing. But um, when it becomes an addiction, then we are also making ourselves vulnerable to manipulation. And because yeah. we, we become absentee residents of the planet, mm -hmm. and we're increasingly disconnected from other people. Uh, so I'm seeing a lot of this disconnect, but at the same time I am seeing people who realize that uh, something has to be done, that they feel this, uh, this need to, uh, to try and, and do something positive, uh, they feel new energy coming in, uh, and um, they don't quite know where to go, uh, yeah. how, how to reclaim their power. And that's really what's going on. It's all about sovereignty and free will yes. and uh, human destiny, and there are many forces at play in this. It's not a black and white situation no, many at shades all. of gray. I absolutely agree with you. And uh, I think... Uh, Fifty shades. <laughs> and More. <least. laughs> More. Yeah. And, and this is a real critical time. Uh, now, mystics in the past have talked about humanity being at a crossroads. Um, Aurobindo did that. Uh, Teilhard de Chardin did that. Uh, these, these are arguments that have been made decades ago, even centuries ago, by other uh, philosophers. But I really do believe that this time in history is different from any other time in history. We have an unprecedented access to each other through technology. Yeah. And uh, this whole idea of the global thought form, which scientists are looking at in terms of how people are swayed uh, and how that affects uh, energy that moves around the planet mm. uh, by uh, attention to events and reactions to things, um, 
this is an unprecedented power now, and, and most people don't even realize it. Be sure, John. I would agree with you when you say that this global sway, I just got this image of the butterfly effect, essentially. This is the technological butterfly effect, and it's instantaneous. So, yeah. Listen, this is, this is a short interview, so we've got to get a couple of things in. First things first. Sean, a little bird told me you have a new project out. Tell us about it. <laughs> We're releasing online uh, a new comedy cult classic style of horror film, but it's really Evil Dead meets Rocky Horror Picture Show meets Ghostbusters called Paranormal Activity Security Squad. Paranormal Activity Security Squad. It's a mouthful. We just call it Pass. Uh -huh. Oh, so that's where that came from. <laughs> pass, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Pass it on, right? Um, When's so available? It'll be online. It, starting to be. I mean, sorry. You'll see trailers and clips and whatnot available now. People can check it out on Facebook and go to ParanormalActivitySecuritySquad.com and sign up. It'll be available in the next six weeks to purchase. Okay. And that's something that I'm, I'm acting in, and that's a lot of fun because I play a sorcerer, so I get to ah. utilize my awareness of the, the paranormal realm ego? so I can now use it to fight the demons, right? Uh, I love it. That's yeah. great. Well, maybe we can have a link to, I believe, the trailer, right? So I'm a trailer, we can put a link to the show. Yeah. Fantastic. Kudos. And you, my dear, I think there's a connection with all of this stuff. What is this? This is a black scrying mirror, and uh, I became fascinated by black scrying mirrors a couple of decades ago. And uh, now my husband and I make them, and we teach black mirror workshops all over the country. This is old tech that is very powerful tech and very relevant today. It's um, basically a tool for opening up the psychic faculty. In ancient times, they used shiny black stones, obsidian, dark bowls filled with water. Uh, and today we have a very uh, handy form in a black mirror, which is glass that's been uh, painted uh, on the reverse side black to make a shiny surface. Ancient people discovered that uh, by gazing steadily into a shiny surface, whether it's light or dark, but the dark, uh, the dark winds up being a little more powerful and enabling, I think it gets you there faster into the astral plane, that you could contact the gods and the dead. And so, um, the way this works, very simply, scrying, by the way, is uh, it's a Middle English term which means to discern dimly. And that's what you're doing. You're discerning things dimly in the reflective surface of the mirror. So you don't want to see yourself in it. You position the mirror so that it is a blank, shiny surface. It's like a bottomless pool. And you should have an intention for going into the mirror because you're going into the astral realm. And uh, most people use them to contact the dead. Uh, contact spirit guides and angels. It can be used for Akashic record checking, mm -hmm. astral voyaging, looking to the past, looking to the future. Um, you can work alone or with a partner or in a group and uh, uh, very versatile. So after gazing into the mirror in a very unfocused way, steadily in dim light, the physical eyes become fatigued and the third eye starts taking over. And some people will see visions that arise in the mirror uh, other people won't see a whole lot going on in the mirror, but suddenly the mental screen where we get a lot of our psychic information becomes very active. and they, uh, We can get sound, tactile sensations, uh, moving images, still images. And, uh, that shadow people though, right? Uh, well, sometimes you never know what's going to come <laughs> And that's the, See, that's the thing with the tool. The tool itself is neutral, but that's right. uh, your experience um, if you are well-grounded and well-focused, uh, you're likely to have a benign experience, mm -hmm. uh, a beneficial experience. 
but I've experimented with a lot of psychic tools, and every now and then something bad comes through, something cranky, nasty, something downright malevolent. And uh, so you have to know uh, how to shut the doorway. Uh, people are conditioned by uh, the media to think that uh, dark things are bad, they're automatically evil. If you do something with any of these tools, you're automatically going to be attacked by demons and it's going to literally jump out of the tool at you, possess you, and you know we have a horror, we have paranormal activity on our hands. Yeah, I want to skip dealing with, with these uh, scry stones. Hence the reason oh, for past, right? Are. No, that's not that's not passing. There's a different script, but but I'm you know, saying the problem is with media, you gotta have conflict, right? You do. You gotta have a tension of you know some kind of villain sure. or some. That's, even if that's not a villain, at least something challenge your lead character. Otherwise, it gets boring. Absolutely. Those I agree. These, these sorts of things are tailor made for horror movies. You know, like it's, the Ouija board. Yeah. Um, and you're a proponent of the Ouija board, right? Well, I know you talked about. I'm an advocate of looks. Let's be reasonable. It's a neutral tool. And yes. you are going to determine the experience with your own consciousness. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you're, if you're approaching the experience in fear and trepidation and anxiety, you're going to have a fear and trepidation kind of experience. If you are worried that something bad is going to come through, something bad will come through. At some, maybe right away, at some point it will. And so I will tell people flat out, um, if you have any reservations at all about using this or any other tool for accessing the spirit world, don't. You, don't. you exactly. have to prepare yourself. And if you get demons, you call pass. That's right. That's, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> I have that point in there. Listen, this is great. And by the way, how many books do you have now, Rosemary Ellen Guiley? We're up to 61. It's about 62 or 63, great. I think. Well, one of them <laughs> is called The Art of Black Mare Scrying, what we are just talking about here. I think we can have a link for this as well. This is available on Amazon? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Kobo, and on my website. Fantastic. Loaded with good stuff, folks. So listen, for all you fans of the paranormal, you got a movie to check out, you got a book to read, you got a little bit of research to do on the Black Mirror Scrying, and take it seriously, most importantly. This is not about novelty. This is about understanding another aspect of reality, and I think it's quite a, a ubiquitous a phenomenon, all of these things. So thank you both for coming back and doing about, you know, be doing a part two and a part three. I, I love talking about this stuff, so, but thank you. I appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you, Alexis. All right. Good. Many understand that in this third dimension, dark and light both share the real estate of reality we call planet Earth. As Rosemary said, we are definitely at a precipice point, as well as a time of uncertainty. But in the understanding that our individual power and sovereignty is ours to claim, once we make that shift, we can move the needle from unpredictability to a sure and evolutionary path. I encourage you to take a closer look at the ideas that we discussed in our show today. There are many resources, both online and, yes, in your local bookstore and library. But most importantly, I urge you to be aware through your own experience, to ask questions, and to know that whatever that force is, it is the awakening. Let that force be within you. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Higher Journeys. Until next time, I'm your host, Alexis Brooks.